And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey, Boomhauer. How was Houston? Do anything uh, interesting? No, you know, man, you know, usual old meetings, you know, and stuff, conferences, stuff like, you know, dang old. Liar! Show him, Hank. An official Houston Texans bobblehead. If you're going to sneak around behind the Dallas Cowboys' backs, you better not ask a Cowboy fan to get your mail. You make me sick. Hmm? Although, I guess if we root for the Texans, it doesn't mean we'd have to stop rooting for the Cowboys. Well, they are in different conferences, so it'd only be a problem if they played in the Super Bowl. An all-Texas Super Bowl. His will be done. The only thing else I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys, indeed. Welcome back in. The Athletic Podcast Network, about them Cowboys podcast. Kent here producing. It's Texans week. That heated rivalry with the lowly Texans goes back all of 20 years here. We'll discuss everything that comes with that on this episode. I'm joined by three of the best of the best when it comes to breaking down all things Dallas Cowboys. Introducing first, Saad Yusuf from The Athletic, your star slash Cowboys slash everything beat writer. From The Athletic, your Cowboys, GOAT, Godfather, Father John Mashoda. And of course, from Terrestrial Radio, The Freak, every morning, KT Turner is here to host. Hey, buddy. Hello, Kent. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And, you know, uh, never a dull moment in Cowboys land. You know, you could say... Cowboys Texans. Let's throw out the record books. Let's throw out any off the field drama. Let's get our eyes on the prize. That prize being the Governor's Cup. But no, yes. no, no. Talk about the stuff that matters. Think about the stuff that matters, you know? Yeah. These playoff seedings. We got more important things to worry about in the interim, you know? We can worry about the uh, playoffs later. I did not think that a December night for Cowboys football would be centered around a Mavs Suns game at the American Airlines Center, but <laughs> what a night it was! I was gonna say with Kent when Kent was introducing all of us, he should have just introduced John as the Mavs beat writer too. <laughs> In- well, you got cut off on the episode, John, when I asked you if you were going to be at the game, and then lo and behold, there John was. Uh, <laughs> of course, but of course, I should have known. In all his social media glory, I even texted him after. I was like, "You're just a social media wizard." He knows not exactly stop. what the does not. He stop. knows exactly what the fans need and want from social media. My my fa- my favorite thing is when uh, uh, I'll post something on. Yeah, this usually happens on Instagram, but I'll post like you know eight to ten pictures from practice during the week, and I always love when someone will comment. There's always one person will be like, "Where's the video?" And I'm always just like, that's so cute. You think if that I could post video that I wouldn't just completely destroy your entire feed with Cowboys videos. That's that's amazing. You, oh, you just think I'm putting up pictures. Oh, that's so cute. Dude, anyone can Photoshop anything, John. We got to see video these days. I, I go to that thing last night. I can video whatever I want. I mean, I'm posting videos of the actual game. I mean, because I'm the type of person I'm not going to go and get a credential unless I'm doing any work. Now... You could have argued that maybe I wasn't going to do any work if Odell Beckham doesn't show up and I was just going to watch the game. Um, but then I got hooked up because Skylar Dixon from the Associated Press wasn't sitting at his seat. Uh, the really good courtside seats for the second half. And he's like, yeah, if you want to use my seat, you can. And I was like, I will. And that was great. It was amazing. Like, wow. it's funny because I see all the Cowboys all the time. And so when you see them in person, you know, you're just kind of used to it, whatever. Not, not a big deal. But seeing Luca in person and sitting that close to the court, uh, Seeing how he interacts, we'll use that word with the with the refs, uh, Devin Booker, uh, Jason Kidd when he wants him to challenge a, uh, a call. Like it was, it was pretty awesome. And then obviously o- Odell Beckham was there, and Micah Parsons and Trayvon Diggs, and 
Jake Ferguson. Do you have any kind of long-range listening device so you could, you know, eavesdrop on what Micah was saying? You know, I wasn't sitting that close enough to them. No, unfortunately, I let everybody. No, so I said long-range listening device. You know, no, pointed at them from far. Now there was a part of it as you're going through. You're just like this thing is just a spectacle for the the return on investment. I mean, the return on investment is great for me selfishly for social media, but I'm talking in terms of what it would bring to the Cowboys. Like the buildup to this is almost like getting to the level of if you're getting, you know, OBJ of five years ago or something. And uh, it's heading in the direction where you're like, you might not be even getting any OBJ or any other team getting OBJ this year. This is what I forgot. And I don't know. It's easy to forget this because we're so close to it. I think at times, but the Jones family is just a sports version of the Kardashians. Yeah. And Odell Beckham is a sports version of the Kardashians. I mean, literally, they're his friends. And there's been interest, uh, rumored interest between one of them in the past and things like that, right? And Devin Booker's his guy. And Devin Booker, even though him and Kendall broke up, are, he's a basketball version of the Kardashians. And I always, always, it's it's very easy to remember that the Joneses are very much uh, run with that crowd at times, you know? Jerry loves going to New York. You know, Jerry loves going to L.A. And I think just because we know him as hot dog eating Jerry, sometimes you kind of forget all that stuff. And last night I was reminded very much of those photos at the Super Bowl and you got all the people up there and Cameron Diaz and Ashton Kutcher and three former presidents. <laughs> I didn't even think that's... Night. Whoa! I didn't think that's where you're. That. I didn't even think that's where you were going. I thought you were going to say that. How how amazing is it that that there were three Cowboys? Well, two Cowboys players, a player they're trying to sign, and then there was a fourth seat. And in that yeah. fourth seat was a member of the Kardashian family. So you know that's yeah. where the Corey Gamble, who I don't know if you know he's technically married or not to Chris Jenner, but they're they're together, and uh, it's always it's always an interesting time. Uh, when when he's around, because you'll get some some somebody else in the media will have somebody in their family text them who that person is because they watch the Kardashian show, you know. So yeah, no, no, no. Someone just texted me though. That's that's the guy that's with Chris Jenner or whatever like that. Because yeah, people right. are always people like who is that? I still that ask my wife who, who's who. Right. I don't even know which which right. uh, sister is who. Right. <laughs> Let alone the the lovers of of what. But they are they're friends. I mean, the Jonas oh, yeah. and the Kardas- Kardashians uh, hang out all the time. Well, Corey's a huge yeah. Cowboys fan too. He's been at a couple of Cowboys yeah. games this year. So that, I mean, that's not a surprise. And those are the Jones's family seats that were right there. Those four there, right next to the visiting bench. But I thought that's what you were going to talk about because there is a, a Kardashian connection in all of yeah. it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> no, it is. And. Um, I mean, those are the seats. We always see this, you know, whether it's Charlotte at the game, you know, someone's, always, you know, got those seats. And I was like, oh, once I found out that was Corey Gamble, I think the rest of the world's like, oh, wow. Yeah, this is a big, like, Hollywood or, you know, tabloid type night more than maybe a recruiting thing. And then you learn of some of Jerry's comments this morning, which we will play for you in a little bit. And you just go, okay, what's going on? Well, it's Texans week, and we don't really have to focus on football because the Texans are so bad. Like, would you be bothered if this was the Bills coming up this week or the big Eagles game? Let's say this week is the big Eagles game, <laughs> and all the focus is on Odell Beckham. Like, would that bother you as a fan? I guess not as a journalist. Uh, I know you don't yeah, care. I don't think it. I don't think it should. Um, maybe the part of I guess you could get annoyed by Diggs and Parsons being with them, but Tuesdays are their off days. You know, I don't think that that was taking yeah. any. I mean, if they get Odell or they don't, I. They went to go see kind of the way I looked at it. I was like, well, let's sit pretty close and see the Mavs and the Suns. Like, this isn't the, the worst thing, so I don't know. Yeah, I, I just I, I just found the whole spectacle to be really I, I don't want to say interesting. It was it was kinda I was it was so much eye roll for me with all of that stuff. Just because the other thing is it's not even just the fans and uh and the players. It's it's how much Odell is actually relishing it, knowing that this is probably the last time he's ever going to be wooed into signing with a team in his life. Um, you know, it kind of it kind of reminded me when I was like a like you know an absolute nobody high school quarterback, and uh, and like you know there was a quarterback in front of me who was actually legit, who's who's still in the NFL now, and like we'd have 
teams come to our school and they would kind of see all the other guys uh, that were also playing and the coaches would just tell them just like, yeah, like, you know, this is your moment. Like, yeah, everyone's here to see David, but like, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever works for you, you want to bask in the glory and just, you know, take in all the attention and all that stuff. And that's kind of what this whole spectacle has felt like with Odell, where it's like, he knows this is the last time this is going to happen for him. And we know how wide receivers and corners are in general, uh, as opposed to the other positions. Um, like if this was Dak Prescott's personality, um, he would not be doing all this. But Odell is more of the Des Bryant ilk, and you know, I think I think he absolutely loves the fact that all this is happening. He loves journalists asking him these questions. Um, and to be honest, John, like I think I think like the media in general has kind of fed into this as well. I don't know if you remember a couple of weeks ago, there was a question to Jerry after the game, not this last Sunday, but a couple of weeks ago, where someone literally asked him, like, do you view this as a Dion Charles Haley type transaction? And like, no, like, like this, this was in no way going to be Charles Haley or Dion Sanders, no matter what. You're signing a number three wide receiver. Like, I mean, this is not that, so... I think it's I think it's interesting. I think we've all kind of fed into this. Yeah, and I mean every media member is different. So I mean I'm only going to speak for myself, but this is when my favorite time. And the reason why is cuz there's so much interest. Believe me, hey. Yeah. Everybody out there listening, if you don't care about this and you and you want more features about kickers and punters, let me know. And then when that traffic shows that that's what you care about, <laughs> I will do yeah. stories on that. But when Odell walks in, with Trayvon Diggs and Micah Parsons and the interest that comes off of that. I'm just going to tell you the numbers I'm seeing, I'm going to keep covering that. (laughs) Absolutely. No, there's no doubt about it. That's the beauty of the Cowboys machine in general. You know, it's just always something at all times. And I also wonder, like, if you want to, to go into like the hardcore, like X's and O's of it, or how much can he help? I think, if you go to a month ago and we're still getting nothing from Michael Gallup, maybe it is taken a little more seriously, um, you know, by anyone who might be rolling their eyes at it. Right. I, I think, like maybe you are truly cause, cause then it becomes out of like begging and uh, like needing it or what really wanting, wanting that yeah. um, contribution. But Michael Gallup's been pretty good the last month. And we're starting to feel like he's back. And then then you can talk yourself, like once the team's winning games, you can talk yourself into, well, maybe James Washington has something. Or, you know, Noah Brown is a three. Yeah, we could get by. Like You can start talking yourself into things really quickly let's, as a fan. Well, let's be sports fans for a second here. Yeah. Is anybody ever really happy with one Super Bowl? You say you're going to be happy with one Super Bowl, but then when you win that Super Bowl, you want more. And so the Cowboys are winning right now and everything's great. But how many people are really like, everybody, just hold where we are right now and let's just keep right. If you can add more to it, most people want to add more to it. And if Odell Beckham is healthy and he's blowing up social media with a ton of workout videos where you're like, damn, he is all the way back, which is not happening, then I can see where you're get you're like, wow, we we might be getting that Odell that was Oh, with the Rams last year, and he just stepped right in and, and helped lead them to, to a Super Bowl victory. But we're not even getting any of that. And he's not even working out for teams. So That's amazing. whether Michael Gallup is even on the Dallas Cowboys, let's let's take let's take Michael Gallup and say that he signed elsewhere in the offseason, and their number one receiver is CeeDee Lamb, and their two is Noah Brown, and their three is Cavante Turpin or Jalen Tolbert or James Washington. Regardless, you're going to want Odell Beckham if you got a chance to sign him and he's fully healthy and, and looks like the Odell that he, he was before. Just we have no signs that say that he's even healthy at all. Yeah, but and and you actually have signs to the contrary. You, I mean, I like you see all these reports coming out literally the morning and the afternoon after after he's at this Mavs game saying that they he might not like Jimmy Garoppolo might be ready before before Odell Beckham is, and so. You know, I, I think I think that's the other kind of thing is, I, Katie. I think I think you make a good point, and, and honestly, like you know, I, I guess I hadn't really thought that far ahead. Where 
you know, I, I think maybe there was a little getting caught up in the moment where Gallup is playing well and stuff like that, but we've seen this entire team being consistent. So yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think I would be eating my words in like, in like a month if Odell was balling and Gallup wasn't, but we don't even know if Odell is going to play this season. Yeah. And, and, and to me, it's like, this also goes back further back to just stuff that was thrown out in the media, like how much money he would be wanting and talking about multiple years and talking about next year. In my opinion, when you sign Michael Gallup, you don't really have any business signing another. Um, well, Odell Beckham's different because he's older, but another knee injury guy, you don't have any business doing that. And you definitely don't have uh, any business giving him any amount of money. That's substantial. That's just me. So to me, you can wait and see what you can do at wide receiver. There are going to be wide receivers. They're going to be cut. There's obviously a trade market. You can draft. We know how deep the wide receiver classes are. You're developing Jalen Tolbert <laughs> still. Uh, you know, Noah Brown always kind of be there as a safety blanket. I'm looking at I'm looking at people like that I know work. Depending on how the season goes, that changes things as well. Like let's say the Dolphins cut Cedric Wilson. Well, there's a cheap pickup that I would welcome him back in here, and he can't get on the field with the Dolphins because they're loaded at wide receiver. So there's tons of guys who might get the axe just for salary cap reasons that are going to be there on the cheap. I'd rather look into that than I think just giving Odell Beckham five, six, eight, ten, twelve million dollars. Well, let's also remember the Cowboys, for the most part, could be feeling that way now that he's not working out and could be ready to move on. But yeah. there's Jerry Jones, and Jerry Jones loves all the stuff that I had just talked about. He loves the interest, you know. Why does why isn't Jerry whining and dying the the punters and the kickers and why isn't he around them talking to them all the time after the game or why isn't he talking to any of those guys up, you know he likes that they're the attention. I mean, it's funny because I think there'll be fans where if if he doesn't sign with the Cowboys or he doesn't contribute, let's say he signs with the Cowboys and doesn't contribute, people will talk about how this is all big waste of time. Sure, it was for you, but it wasn't a Jerry Jones. Because we're talking about it and we're writing about it, and everybody else that covers the NFL is doing the exact same thing, and so that's keeping the Cowboys in the news certainly a lot more than them playing a team that they're favored to win by 17 points. Uh, so to him, it's not a complete loss. And then also, he's so important here because he's the one that he has the final vote. So he he, he can be sitting here and having medical staff. You can have you know Stephen. You can have coaches. Other players be like, hey, he's not right. Probably not going to be able to do anything. But if Jerry wants to take the gamble, then the Cowboys will take the gamble. So, yeah, I mean, it's lining up to where I'm like, yeah, this doesn't, the percentages aren't high that this is, that he's going to contribute this year, even if he did sign with the Cowboys. But if Jerry wants to roll the dice and it doesn't really matter what anybody else thinks, then he's going to do it, you know? And th- there's a part of me, the reason I bring this up is because I wonder if he's got that itch just because he hasn't really done a move like that in a while and where this team's at, yeah. where he, he feels like, man, we could have this one last piece, this one spark that that puts us over the top. And I and I'm fine with that line of thinking, but you might not have that spark at all if you can't get on the field and contribute at all. And and and, and I'm saying that from a perspective of I never thought he would be performing as a one and maybe not even a two. I'm saying he comes in here and he's yeah. like your three this year and he's icing on the cake because let's be honest, there's only so many defensive backs and so many defensive schemes that can shut everything down. And you, you got plays where the your that team's best third best corner is on Odell Beckham Jr. a healthy Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, you're going to take that all day long. So there's, I get the interest in it, but if he's not going to contribute for you, then you got to move on. Yeah, and 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 one one quick thing, I also think that you know what I was saying before was only relative to like you know you talked about the scale, the x and y axis. Like I'm only like it's kind of what John led off with. I'm only talking about the hype versus reward. I still think signing Odell Beckham Jr. would be a fantastic move for the team. Again, I don't know if like all the wooing and and the Mavs game and all that stuff matches up to what his impact is going to be, but there's no doubt that if you can sign Odell Beckham Jr. at a reasonable price and also have him contribute against like you know a number three corner, whether he's going against a number three corner or he puts Michael Gallup in a position to go up against a number three corner, whatever the case may be, I think that's all good. But I do think that you also have to keep one eye to the future where it's this isn't just about the wide receiving core. Like you also have to make make sure that you're asking yourself like because you sign Odell Beckham Jr., you're not handcuffing yourself to Trayvon Diggs's next deal, Michael Parsons' next deal, and all those things as well. Okay, let's uh, go ahead and get down to the meat of it then. If we get the audio, Kent, uh, this is from 
Uh, 105.3 The Fan, Jerry's uh, weekly visit with them in the morning. Uh, I don't know how you want to cut that, uh, play those cuts, uh, Kent. Or is it just yeah, you, cut? you're good. Jerry, you set it up. You're, and you're just, you, know, you mentioned that you talked to Odell yesterday, and, and I know you've talked to him before yesterday. Has he given any indication on his own if he believes he can play this year? Uh, I would say uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of keep that one uh, at bay uh, because uh, that's uh, uh, that's degree. Uh, it's a lot different if you played one play or if you played uh, uh, available for a week, and that week be the Super Bowl week than if he's available next week. And so everything in between, I would say. Uh, uh, that's that's a point of the uh, discussion. Uh, a player's own uh, own belief of where he is in uh, becoming ready to play is real big. Now I'll tell you this: the fact that he uh, rehabbed last year and came back and played in the Super Bowl shows you uh, serious mental uh, toughness, and it shows you current a recent addressing of uh, playing coming off of surgery. And that requires you've got to overcome natural mental feelings when you overcome playing right after a surgery. It's not just the technical repair. It's the uh, ability to mentally come through it. The fact he's recently done that, our trainers tell us, is a plus. Okay, that's from the uh, improperly titled Sean and RJ show. That's Sean, RJ, and Bobby. Uh, that was Bobby Bell, one five three fan. Bobby Bell, a good friend of the show. Sean RJ, great dudes too. Love those guys. Used to work with them. Um, okay, so you heard that, John? You decipher Jerry better than most anyone in this market, especially when you got to fire off those tweets rapid fire after those interviews. <laughs> what was your uh, What was your take on all that? Well, at first he he was hesitant. He didn't know how to hands, answer, it, and that very rarely ever happens with Jerry Jones. So that was interesting in itself, but. Uh, I took that as a little bit that yeah, Odell has, says he can play, but Jerry and the Cowboys don't know to what level because he's not willing to work out. And there's only so much you're going to get from, you know, medical examination if he's not actually going to work out with your athletic trainers, you know, and in front of your coaching staff. So, uh, and again, for a guy like Odell that loves the spotlight to not really have that many videos being posted of where he's at in his rehab process is pretty wild to me because if he was close, I feel like those would be all over the place. But, uh, um, the fact that he won't work out, I don't know. It's just interesting to me because Jerry didn't know where Odell was in that, in that sense a week or two ago. And that's why they wanted to have the visit is so they could find that out. And it doesn't sound like they're going to get those answers off of this visit. So because of that, that's why later in the review, he talked about how, you know, there's no timetable. He doesn't know when this could get done. Now, Believe me, if Odell could play right now and contribute, there would be a timetable because Jerry wouldn't want him leaving the building and potentially signing with another team and losing out on this on this opportunity. But because it doesn't seem like he's going to play anytime soon, then you can sit there and let him leave and figure it out from there. Because Jerry said 10 times in the last week and a half that if he can't contribute this year, then they're not interested. This is this. They need him for this year. This is this is. You know, the, obviously it'll be a multi-year deal, but the most important piece is that he can help this year. And when is he going to help in January? I mean, can you just imagine trying to, it's one thing if you're trying to get a guy going, bringing him in against the Texans or the Jags or we'll even say Washington or something at the end of the year. It's another first playoff game against the Bucks. you know, tight game. Tom Brady's picking on Kelvin Joseph over there and they're scoring away and you're going to sit there and be trying to work OBJ into your offense. Like that doesn't sound like that's a smart move. That doesn't sound like something that Mike McCarthy would want to do. Yeah. You're better off just going with what you got at that point. And you know, you can have that whole thing where there's like, if there's interest for next year, the, the thing is too, the, all the teams and there could be mystery teams, but all the teams who would be interested in him have dried up as well. This is what we were saying on Sunday night after the game. Like he needs the Cowboys more than the Cowboys need him at this point. And we don't know that it was like that three weeks ago. Right. So it's like it definitely feels that way. There was a funny I don't know who did it, but I learned this from Jeff Cavanaugh. So it might have been his original thought or maybe he saw it on Twitter. I'm not sure. He's talking about the idea that maybe uh, this was all a ploy for Odell Beckham to get Stefan's number from Trayvon. And then uh, uh, so he, he could 
Start going to the Bills. <laughs> I think he his connection with Von Miller is strong at the Bills still, and to me, that's okay. what would what would draw him there. Uh, you know, I think, Vaughn, I think Vaughn like, would recruit him to Buffalo uh, hard, but like Minnesota's ten and two, as close as they'll ever be. Adam Thielen's lost a step. Yeah, KJ Osborne's a fine number three, but there's no Minnesota Vikings. Odell Beckham scuttlebutt. I thought when Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are out, you know, maybe that maybe the Chargers would make sense. It's a floundering six and six team, though. Who knows? Until last week, I thought the 49ers made sense. And I'm not one of those Brock Purdy fans uh, who says that they're going to be just fine with Brock Purdy. Some people are doing that out there. Look out. Keep a sharp eye on that, ladies and gentlemen. There are a lot of people who think the 49ers still have a chance with Brock Purdy. Um, so, like, I thought that was a good mystery team. But that's it. So I walk away from today, and God knows you can never bank 100%. Jerry loves uh, leaving a little bit of room for ambiguity. I walked away from today going, this ain't happening this year. Maybe it happens next year. Hey, good we could hang out. Great to see you, but <laughs> not right now, man. Here's some cleats. If you want to go show us what you got. That's, that's the way I went, but you know, maybe it takes one Christmas Eve loss to Philadelphia to, to you know, get that train back on the tracks, but I think this is not happening now. I would agree with you. I, my odds went down. My percentage went down quite a bit uh, when I found out that he wasn't going to work out for them. I thought two days visiting, there's got to be at least some type of a workout involved there. But yeah, if there's not that, that doesn't make a lot of sense, you know? Yeah. It's just, it's weird because wouldn't he be doing this in February? Why, why is he on this? media tour if he can't contribute this year to a team oh i'm sure he's got hopes that you know i'm sure his doctors told him that you know you'd be right there at the end of december or something and so he wants to get with a team so he can start working out and in the hopes that hey i can return in the postseason and be right there for mm-hmm. the biggest games of the year and i can do what i did for the rams and be a piece that helps put them over the top you know and uh when really it probably lines up where He'll probably be at full strength or as close to as possible in February or, or March. He probably <laughs> thinks, well, man, if I can speed that thing up a little bit and get out on the field for the playoffs and maybe win another ring, why not try and do that? Why wait till next year? You know, I just turned 30. Let's try and get another ring if I can, you know, right. yeah, and, also, and have a bunch of teams court him like that. He certainly doesn't mind that. Yeah, I also think that there's with, with these injuries, the timelines are so different for so many different people. Like remember Adrian Peterson tore his ACL in like the last couple of days of December and then came back for the beginning of the next regular season. Cam Akers for the Rams tore his Achilles, which is a much worse injury and was back that season playing. He broke, he tore that in training camp and was back playing in the postseason. So, um, so I think like, you know, there's probably a chance that Odell probably, or his doctors or staff thought that, okay, you tore it in February. Like, like, you know, you should be good to go by December. That's, that's faster than what Adrian Peterson did. Um, way back when so you know i think i think those timelines differ from age and you know player and and build and all that stuff too did it, it well i mean look is this going to be anything to the locker room at all i mean that those guys are all rolling and having a good time i'm sure they're getting they're sick of getting asked about it i just keep seeing quotes about odell from players right it was interesting it was trayvon and micah not dak although you know Tuesday night, Dak probably didn't go to a lot of Mavs games during the season, you know? He said after the game on Sunday. I just don't think that's a Dak thing, yeah. Yeah, he said after the game on Sunday, he'd be more of a sit-in-the-suite type guy as opposed to sitting courtside. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I'm sure there is a little bit, too. It gets to a point where it's, all right, then we don't get him. Now I got to go back into all these meeting rooms and, you know, act like we never really wanted him, you know? And I don't think that's going to happen, but, um, you know. There were, I've been around, there's been several players that have been asked about it and there's not one, including several players asked about it multiple times and, you know, throughout the last couple of weeks. And there hasn't been one that he has even acted like, why are you guys asking me about this? We just won the game or why are you guys asking about this again? You just asked me about, not one has done that. Every, you know, everyone has jumped right in because let's be honest, it's a young man's league and Odell Beckham's 30. A lot of these guys looked up to Odell Beckham when he was in his prime. Just a lot of true. them saw that one-handed catch and they were like, man, that's the dopest thing I've ever seen. So, I mean. I think I think the most passive one was probably Dak after that game where, you know, he it wasn't like he was not actively recruiting it, but he was a little bit more resetting the entire conversation and putting 
putting it back into the locker room of like, hey, I'm like, yes, do want him, but very happy with the guys that we have in the locker room. I think that's the most deflective I've heard any player be of Odell. And even that wasn't like, you know, super deflective. And that was too with him. That was his second time around on it because he right. had, his first one, he talked about texting him yeah. and he knows how much I want him and all this other stuff. So even on that one, I think that I will say this, understandably so, but um, you're going to get a little bit more of a politically correct Dak Prescott after a game on that podium than you're going to get at his locker, you know, because he feels he's he feels like he's speaking for the whole whole team there. Not that he isn't all the time, but when he's talking to his locker, he's a little bit more laid back, you know, not feeling like everything I say is going to be uh, dissected quite the same as if it's right after a game and I'm standing on the podium. Like he's probably not going to answer things the exact same way as he would on a, you know, Thursday uh, yeah. at his locker. Well, non Odell Beckham thing. Or you guys have anything else on Odell for now or do you want to move it on? Let's go. I think yeah. I just kind of feeling like it's, Probably not going to happen. We'll see. We'll see. And we know that John's on the case, uh, no matter what. <laughs> wondering the bowels of the AAC last night. Um, hey, that so, was the first time I got a credential to a Mavs game since Tony Romo suited up for him. And <laughs> a, one of the most a day in Mavs history, in man. History. Yeah. It was, man. Wow, what a weird one that was. Um, <laughs> all eyes on Kelvin Joseph, obviously. Right, it's a big it's a big week for him. Um, this is probably a bigger game for him than maybe anyone else on the Cowboys. I would say. I mean, this is uh, to me, it's almost the top Cowboys storyline that's not Odell Beckham relating to this game because I just I can't take the Texans seriously. Um, but it's football, and there's a the odd no, the terribly realistic thing that guys get hurt and things like that. Lovey Smith defense will. You know, put a little pressure on the quarterback every now and then, but they're not flooded with talented players. So Texans, Cowboys, Angles, and the race for the Governor's Cup, you know, not right there. There's a reason this is a above 15-point spread. <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll have the, uh, the age-old discussion of did the Cowboys play with their food and things like that. But outside of Kelvin Joseph, it's obviously Tuesday when we're recording this, so you haven't really been in the locker room to talk to the players yet as they get a day off and things like that. But we're not Odell Beckham. Where do we kind of stand on things uh, with the Cowboys? Yeah, I mean, they're going to give Calvin Joseph every chance to, you know, be that starter there. I shouldn't say, I mean, win that starting spot. He's got the starting spot right now, but keep that starting spot. But there has to be concern there. I mean, it, the entire time he's been with the Cowboys, he's been okay at times as a corner. He's been a, He's been a good special teams player at times. But as a corner, he hasn't really flashed what you would think year two of a second round pick would flash. One, two, Nation right behind him is a guy that in the preseason, in when they would face second and third team quarterbacks, they would be trying some difficult throws against Nation right with a lot of confidence. And that's where you run into these issues of, yeah, that can happen against the Texans and the Jags and maybe even a couple other teams. But you go up against Tom Brady in the wild card round of the playoffs in Tampa, you don't think that he's going to be going after Kelvin Joseph and Nation Wright all the time? I mean, I, I mean, Deron Bland's a rookie, but at least he's got a few picks that that you know that's going to make you a little concerned there. I, they, these are these are some big games coming up for Kelvin Joseph and Nation Wright because uh, if they can't do it, then I guess you're going to a guy that's on the practice squad right now, and Kendall Sheffield, who he's played on the Falcons. He, you know, Dan Quinn's obviously familiar with him. It's just this isn't a great time to add. Corners. I mean, it's not a great time to add players, period. That's why Jerry always talks about the Odell thing, but being such a unique situation, because generally speaking, there aren't good quality players to be added at this time. You know, the trade deadlines passed. Guys that are on the street right now are on the street for a reason, you know, that whether it's age or injuries or uh, they don't want to play anymore. So they got to kind of deal with what they got right now. And I just haven't seen enough from Kelvin Joseph for me to think, oh, no, no, he's ready for this role. He'll be fine, because let's be honest. Teams are going to keep throwing at him, not just because he's the new guy stepping into the starting lineup, but because of what's on the other side of the field and Trayvon Diggs. They're not going to want to try him. It's going to be, let's keep throwing towards this Kelvin Joseph. And I'm not even talking about him giving up just big catches. I'm talking about even if he's in good position, him him being handsy and getting called for PIs and stuff like that. That are Those are <laughs> those are just as big of a blow as anything else. And so, uh, yeah, he, he, to me, is the biggest storyline uh, going into this game. 
Yeah. And also, I think to piggyback off of that point, I, I agree. Like, obviously, this is big time for Wright and for Joseph. But I also think that, it, like, depending on how those things pan out um, going into the playoffs, this could be a big time for Dan Quinn as well. Because if you don't have the horses to do it, do you do you slightly change things up schematically to kind of cater to your weaknesses? Meaning, do you kind of look at, all right, like, maybe you isolate Trayvon a lot more and uh, ask him to work on an island and, and cater two people, uh, cater a safety up top over Kelvin Joseph or Nation Wright. Um, I remember, like, you know, back in the day, like, following following the Patriots, back when, like, you know, they acquired, like, a keep to leave at corner. They'd put him at, on, on, like, one guy and then scheme the 10 other players around the rest of the offense. And and I don't know if you have to if you have to change things because, obviously, what you're doing defensively has worked really well this season. From a pass rush standpoint, do you blitz less? Do you drop guys out from from underneath? Uh, do you change how? I, I don't. I don't know. I think Plan A is Kelvin Joseph or Nation Wright work out and are at least serviceable. But if they're not, then I think the onus then falls on Dan Quinn. You can't just fold and say, "All right, well, Brady's going to pick on Kelvin Joseph," and and that's that. I think you have to you have to adjust some way. And as you guys mentioned, it's not an optimal time to fit new players in whether it be practice squad guys are off the street but um but i think then it's going to be on dan quinn to kind of uh change things up a little schematically if it doesn't work out so sad thinks that they're going to put micah parsons at corner no no <laughs> well what about, what about problem Mukwamu? solved problem solved <laughs> problems what not solved Mukwamu? what about him could he take snaps at corner i Played mean corner in college as a depth Player, sure. Yeah, it's a depth, it's a, it's a backup plan. They're uh, really hoping. Let's put it to you this way: they're really hoping it's it's Kelvin Joseph. I mean, he's <laughs> got their best in, chance. Uh, tw- Twitter's. You might have known this, John. I don't know, but Twitter's just now saying it's. Uh, I'll give uh, Mike uh, Garofalo. Garofalo. Okay. NFL Network a little credit here. He says Cowboys are signing Mackenzie Alexander to the practice squad. Wow! Look <laughs> at Vikings. that. Again, hey, problem solved. It's a young solved. man's league, and he's 29. So uh, <laughs> I was going to say, there's probably a practice squad guy out there. Problem. Well, he solved. started more games than Kelvin Joseph has, so we'll uh, look at it that way. Here, that, that makes more sense to go. me than signing somebody off the street. At least somebody's been that's been working out all season and he's been taking consistent reps against wide receivers. So that's nice. Yeah, five starts last year with the Vikings. Uh, looks like nothing this year that I can see recorded. So. Definitely a guy you don't think about anymore. I remember him coming out of the draft and all that stuff. Um, so, yeah. Yep. Well, good to have someone else out there. So we there put corner go. really high on uh, the draft list next year. I know Dane oh, had yeah. a, a corner mock yeah. to us in his, his 1.0 mock draft, now available on The Athletic, by the way. Uh, yeah, I would say corner is a, is a big a big need. Yeah, for sure. It was going to be even without these injuries because of contractually where you are with you know, Anthony Brown, Jordan Lewis. Mm-hmm. So, and, and let's be honest, that's where they were looking in that, in the Micah Parsons draft, you know, they wanted to add another corner. So, uh, you know, another big time playmaking corner with good size to put opposite Trayvon Diggs. And I imagine, yeah, that would be, uh, if that's not their number one priority, it's gotta be in the top two or three. Think about that defense, adding another top flight corner next to what they've already done from the pass rush standpoint. I'll th- say this about Kelvin Joseph, uh, going back to my days of studying the draft and things like that, I mean, the off the field stuff was all concerning and stuff. There's tape of him running stride for stride with Devontae Smith, Heisman winner Devontae Smith, and, you know, playing him pretty well. And, you know, we'll get that test in three weeks uh, for Christmas Eve and things like that. But, you know, I don't know. There's that weird element of, well, you think you know a guy, and then it's like, well, do we though? Let's go let him play and really find out something about the kid. And that's what we're going to do now. And you have to, and it's because you protected yourself and those Anthony, bringing Anthony Brown back when it was signed, it was like, okay, we're signing him. So he's a cornerback on our team. When you signed Anthony Brown to the $5 million deal, you weren't going, Oh, we're signing you to be our starting cornerback because we love you so much. You know? So it's, it, it's just odd because he, you just get in that weird way, and then you start nitpicking your team when you're, you know, uh, eight and three. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't, 
I don't have much more to say on that. It's like, let's go and then like enjoy your Nico Collins. That's all I got to say Chris about Moore that. Yeah, I was like, and, we'll, we'll find out against Nico Collins. Yeah. No? It's hard to get <laughs> a good just, read. Yeah. You're going to be playing against a guy who shouldn't be playing quarterback. So, I mean, Well, it's that. It's also, I mean, let's be honest. Even the teams that make it to the Super Bowl, everyone's got weaknesses. Not and No one's getting yeah. there with, oh, this is 100% healthy roster. This, these are all the guys we drafted. Everybody just has stepped up and is playing the best of their ability. Like, you got yeah. some other guys have to step up. They just, you're not going to be great at every position, you know? And, and to Sad's point, you know, you got to adjust coverages. You got to do different things. And yeah, maybe that'll, you know, they won't be quite as dominant on defense and maybe they'll have to get by with, with some packages that they don't love to run, but it fits best with the personnel they have. I mean, that's what happens. That's, you know, survive in advance. Yeah. When the Super Bowl is not about being the best team on paper it's being about it's about being the best team that year compared to your competition so you know for like you know the nfc could be loaded one year and then you look at this right now and the cowboys don't look so great right now it's a two-horse race so all they gotta do on paper right now is just be better than philadelphia it doesn't matter like they don't have to apologize for aaron Rodgers falling off the cliff or tom brady struggling or you know whatever the case may be so yeah I'm fascinated to see how close we are to getting Tyron back on offense. Again, the very odd here series three. And all right, well, we'll go ahead and put uh, Peters in for a series here, then <laughs> then yank him back out. You know, that's probably all going to stop soon. Probably feel like I mean, you'd assume that they're trying to get Tyron back before the Philadelphia game, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's practice window is supposed to open uh, tomorrow, and that would be so. He would have three weeks to come back, but that doesn't mean he has to wait three weeks. He'd come back in another sure. week. But yeah, it would line up to probably the game before that. And then so he's got a game under his belt before they play their most important game of the year. I think that's where it's at. And I think they're just trying those combinations just so, hey, let's get, you know, let's get our rookie left tackle who we had worked at left guard all camp. Some more, you know, reps at left guard just because so we can get used to it again because that's where he's moving back to, you know. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You guys want to do some picks? Let's go. Who are the Cowboys playing this week? It's the Governor's (laughs) Cup, Sod. Eyes on the prize, man. Uh, Let's start with you, Kent. Yeah, I'm going to go Cowboys. Just an observation from the past uh, couple weeks is they've just been pulling away in the second half. Like they are got to be one of the best second half teams in the NFL. I, I haven't looked up the numbers. I'm sure they're 
very high up there in the second half points, but I expect them to pull away in the second half of this one. And uh, I'll go 42 to 10. All right, Saad. Yeah. I mean, you know, similar to last week, I think it'll be, it'll, it'll follow a similar pattern as well. I think, I think Houston might stick around for, you know, a couple minutes or so in the game to the game, but um, that's about it. So I'm going to go Cowboys probably, I'll say 45 to 13. I'm a 38-10 guy right here, and I'm calling for a lot of Malik Davis. I want Malik on, Davis John, do it. 20 carries. No, do I'm, it. Thir- I'm going 37-10. No, oh, you got to pick the Texans. That, that, no. that, that's what you do. No, no. We no, all no, pick no, the Cowboys. No, 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 no. We're so we're all picking them to cover? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Bet the house. Bet what could go house. wrong? What could possibly go wrong? Not In the NFL, nothing. Nothing could go wrong. Everything's perfect in the NFL. Right. Uh, everything always works out the way we think it's going to work out. We know this. We know this. The NFL is I mean, I wouldn't be surprised rules. if I wouldn't be surprised if they scored 50 again, you know, mm. but I'm yeah. just going to say 37-10. That sounds. I hope there's a focus on right. just keep, keeping the clock going and getting out of there. Oh, <laughs> I mean, second, get, second half running clock? Cooper Rush, sec, whole second half. Pull up, pull up Mike McDaniel. Yank your starting quarterback early in the game. Okay. There's no need. I'm if you're up for 30, that. You don't have to play that. If they're up 20 in the fourth quarter, yeah. they're up over two possessions, three possessions. Kind of for that. coaches have always kind of acted like it's baseball rules and they, like you have to, like you can't put your quarterback back in if, uh, if you take him out. Right. Like, yeah. Put them back in. Four scores. Yeah, they see, score see again. Put them back. Yeah. Yes. I think what you do is you get a, such a big lead that at halftime, Mike McCarthy makes his decisions on who's going to play in the second half on offense by whoever comes up with the best kettle celebrations. Like they have to run them by him, oh, and then he tough. ranks them. And he's like, "Ooh, if it's a good one," he's like, "No, I'm going to leave you out there." And then they're and then they're going to play guys in order of that. So. You know, I I asked for suggestions the other day, and I did not get anything great for the kettle celebrations. Yeah, I gotta I didn't really say get anything the pop, the pop goes the weasel was great, but but the uh, whack a mole so creative. I would have never thought of that to do right, that. Right, that's what I'm saying. I was I was hoping that there would be something else, and maybe I pass it along. Yeah. You know, but okay. we just can't. So what can't you come need? Up with anything. You need a uh, a mask, okay? Okay. A mask of some sort. You jump in the kettle, rip your helmet off, knowing that you're going to have to pay the fine. Throw a mask on, dip down in there, wait. Three, you're a diff- yeah, you got a different two, face on. One, yeah. And then you pop up in a mask. Everyone be like, what? That's of? incredible. A mask of what? I mean, That's come on. Fun, right? it can if be you want to play in the second half, KT, it's going to be better than that. <laughs> a dog mask. It has to be something funny, no. not scary, right? Uh, the Richard horse, Nixon like mask. the horse, the horse head <laughs> thing. Did you yeah, ever? Hey, Kent, Kent, you'll remember this. Uh, do you remember that that picture of Demarcus Ware when he did that Papa John's commercial? And he put on that mask of Jerry Jones because <laughs> yes, I have a picture of. It. I tweeted out somewhere. Can you imagine if they popped out with a mask, mask of, of Jerry. Jerry? Jones? <laughs> uh, that is a good. That's a great idea. Have a mask already in there, you know, stashed away in there. You're definitely getting. You're, Major fines. I mean, that's. De- I mean, that they're already using taking, a prop with the kettle. Well, that's taking it to another level. If you're pulling out masks, that's that's some Joe Horn, you know, cell phone stuff. Which, by the way, bring it back. Um, awesome. Mike McCarthy was yeah. on that Saint staff, so he's ready. He know he's he's familiar with these celebrations. If they put him in the kettle, if they pick him up and put him in there, that would be incredible. Well, you you know things are good when players are already talking about these things during the week and planning on how they're going to break these out during their blowout victory. I mean. Zeke, when he scored, the first thing he did is turn around and like remind Dak, "Hey, yeah. we're gonna do the whack a mole thing. I mean, we're right. gonna do the Zeke in a box. Like, come on, come on, don't, don't forget, mm-hmm. you know." Mm-hmm. So and I like, honestly, would have been even better is if Dak didn't see him, and then Zeke gets in the kettle and he looks down, and it's like no one's coming over there, no one's coming over there. So he has to be back, back up. He goes, "Come on, seriously, get over here. I'm gonna stay here until you guys get over here and somebody does this." Because it's not as funny if someone's not doing the crank. That would be a, a new kind of funny thing. You know, they did it in baseball sometimes when a rookie hits his ho- first home run. Yeah, they just all they, leave. They, they cold shoulder him. Yeah, that'd be a good that'd The be a defense good is on the field. Zeke is still in the kettle. Crouch it down. <laughs> See, now we're having fun. 
Yes. Now we're having fun. That would be funny. Just go in the kettle and don't come out. Right. Just yeah. <laughs> like Zeke Witt, he, he's still Just in there. in the locker That's, room. Yeah. <laughs> Only way that we come back on Sunday night for the podcast and we're talking about a Cowboys loss. Go. What if Zeke got in the kettle and crouched <laughs> down and he appeared in a different kettle? Somebody did text me. I mean, sent me that one. David Blaine could do that. You know it. You know what would be great if Zeke went to a kettle, and we're a few years late on this, but then Joe Looney came out of the other kettle in the full Zeke uniform. <laughs> in the Zeke. Oh, oh and it's like, I like that. And it's like he just ate everything that was in the kettle, and now he's big Zeke. That actually would be amazing. <laughs> All right. Where's Joe Looney I like that. right now? I like that. He's still in town. Um, good Lord. Okay, so look, we... Uh, uh, promised you hard-hitting X's and O's, breaking down <laughs> Cowboys and Texans, but we've decided not to. We uh, got into a conversation the other day about John's um, uh, music choices. I think this is like s- Sundays. We're randomly uh, throwing um, uh, just texts to each other. And this is on the heels of Christine McVie dying of uh, Fleetwood Mac. So John's top five records of all time. These aren't the and top five, like, best or anything. These are my five John's favorite. Your favorite. Yeah. Yeah, yeah your, your top five favorite albums. And keep in mind here, too, Which, you know what's so difficult about this, KT, as, as being a fellow fan of, of the Killers? They're, my favorite Killer songs are spread out throughout several albums. And so when you're picking a favorite album, for me at least when I do this, it's, you know, I got to have a lot of where I can listen to the whole thing and like a lot of songs yeah. on the album. Like, there's artists that I like more than these, but... I they're they're you know their hits are spread out over like Drake for example I really like Drake but Drake's the songs I like of Drake they're spread out over like seems like ten albums yeah he's got like one or two per album yeah right yeah God God bless you for being an old soul because the uh, the art of the album can never go away no matter what the music <laughs> industry tries to do and they're trying to heavily produce singles the art of the complete album is very important and uh, yeah no thank thank you for that again and also when these conversations happen in sports or not sports. There's a big difference between what you think is the best and your favorite. Absolutely. Uh, I think Breaking Bad is the greatest TV show of all time. Uh, Parks and Rec is my favorite TV show of all time. Two things okay. can be the same, you know? Sure. Sod shakes yes. his head as, sure. the, as the office gets shafted. Yeah. Uh, technically, Saturday Night Live. Sod's got a pretty new school time. music taste. I'm, I'm interested to see how many of these uh, Sod knows because it's mixed between new and old here. Just a little teaser. Okay. Yeah, let's let's go. Let's hear it. All right, John, number five, your favorite album of all time. Oh, I didn't put them in order. <laughs> all right, here we uh, go. You didn't rank them. Come on, man. What's the album, KT? <laughs> this is uh, MGMT. Yes. And this is, uh, is the album called Electric Feel? The album's it's called Oracular Spectacular. The, uh, this song is called Electric Field. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There is, is words in this song, by the way. Um, I don't know if it's just the instrumental. Is this their second album? I think it was their, was their debut, favorite. wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, th- so this is the one that had um, Time to Pretend on it? Oh, yeah. Yep, Kids as well. Yeah, Yeah. so so this is like MGMT isn't my favorite band or anything like that. But this album is loaded with bangers. Like, they clearly were in the booth, and they were just putting out one monster yeah. jam after another. I'll have to send you a video of them straight. recording this. Uh, this is a great chorus, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That would have been that would have been a hit in any era, right? You know, 1960, sure. oh 1970. The buzz around that band, too, when they were coming out was ridiculous. Like, South by Southwest was like, hey, you've got to go see this band over here. I remember Skin telling a story. He was covering for uh, music for Gorilla vs. Bear, and they were like, dude, whatever you do, make sure you go see this MGMT band. Everyone's talking about them. And sure enough, you know. Hey, I went, to, three, I went to one of their shows. songs of all time. I went to one of their shows about, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, whenever. It was a, a little bit after when this came out. I certainly was one of the older people there. So, so so much drug activity going on. So many so many psychedelics. Was this uh, before or after it. their second second record came out? Because the second one was like super drug drug trippy. Yeah, okay, then that's here. what it was. It was that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
It was after the second yeah. one. I just, I was a little out of my element there. Well. I enjoyed it though. It was a good show, but oh, yeah. that album slaps, dude. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Little Dark Age, their album from 2018, is so weird, and you need to listen to it. It's so strange. Not the yes. same band at that point. They changed. <laughs> all right, John Mashoda's fourth favorite album of all time. <laughs> all right, here we go. This is a classic. I will admit. John, uh, Notorious B.I.G. Life After Death is his number four. This is how old I am. The best thing about this album, well, outside of the music, is just the fact that this is one of those that was two CDs. Okay, the old, the old double CD. Ooh, a deluxe. Nice. A lot of bangers on this one. Yeah, this is the age of the album, was, though. Wasn't this it, is what this, you said? Life After Death is this one? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and then he said, okay. Because the, uh, the this one was the posthumous was, one, correct? The, yeah. the one before that, I think, was Ready to Die. It was, yeah. Gosh, wild. It's like, almost like he knew, you know, what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, awesome album. What else was yeah. on this? Was uh, Juicy on this? No, no, no. That's on the that's on the earlier that one. That was on the first one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I introduced this album. Mo, Mo, Mo Money, Mo, Mo Problems. Problems. Yeah. yeah, Mo Money, Mo Problems. Uh, sky's the there was limit. Notorious Thugs with Bone Thugs and Harmony. Amazing. Wow. There's Classic. a lot of God. Biggie was too short incredible. on that. Too short pops in on that album at one point, too. Oh, he's like too short. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. John? Going, going back to Cali was on this. Yeah. Ten crack Good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, I live by, so. All right. Here's the. Uh, this is number three. Maybe somewhat controversial. Given the week, uh, it is. It's the art, okay? I can separate the art from the artist. All right, here we go. This la, loaded with jams. La, la, wait till I get my money right. I had a dream I could buy my way to heaven. When I woke, I smit that on a necklace. Graduation. Back when he was in his prime. His best work. You ever seen Kanye live, uh, John? Uh, I haven't now because when I, uh, I don't know, like, or did you ever I'm sure there was times around when, I'm sure when there was times when this album came out that I probably should have gone seeing him, whatever. But when I thought about going, which is several years after this, he was in that stage where might just sit down with a mask over his head and not perform any hits because he doesn't want to and Mm -hmm. i'm gonna spend two three hundred bucks for that no i'm good you know so again i said separate the art from the artist uh but this whole album loaded with bangers yeah i have a real quick funny kanye uh story i can't you ask if you ever saw him i went into a kanye concert was there for about 25 minutes 20 25 minutes less than 30 minutes and uh, and just went back in my car and just sat in my car while my cousins did the rest of the concert. <laughs> Not because I did I wasn't entertained, but because I'm so claustrophobic and like I just couldn't do, I, I can't do concerts. And so I literally sat in my car, listening to Kanye on the on my phone while the concert was going <laughs> on outside. Yeah, I went to the uh, yeah the Pablo tour. I guess it was at the AAC, and he had a stage that was like that was the one. above the crowd. Yeah, yeah. And so the whole crowd was like a dance floor on the on the floor, and he yeah. was above them performing. It was pretty pretty unbelievable. I was in the very nosebleeds. I was just watching this, like, dang, that is a party down there. I really tried to not put this in that list just because of how off the rocker he's become. But there's just it's so damn. There's just so many good songs on this album. No one will deny his uh, his uh, creative musical genius in that right. era Absolutely. I mean, it's not just one album where he was no pushing, you know, so no that's where he kind of and then it's like oh god the thing that's weird though and i don't know if it's because of so yeah the whole idea of like separating the artist from the art gets very interesting when it's i don't know i don't know why it's different right and it's just because it's in the moment right now because i guess when I, I did have a hard time separating um R. Kelly um, like sure. during his trial and then over years like oh it's just a song <laughs> so I don't yeah know. it's it's weird it's weird okay no number two favorite album of all time John here we go 
album is I mean I know the song R.I.P. man what is it called hell is hot but it's dark in here or something like that (laughs) it's dark and hell is hot okay there you go DMX was was bringing it yeah and uh, gone too soon and shout out to Skin Wade who once prematurely reported his death live on a maths broadcast Oh, prematurely. Rough Riders Anthem. Yeah, like the night before, you know, like, there was, oh, like, yeah, scuttlebutt on yeah, Twitter about him maybe passing, and Skin, like, went off Twitter and said it, and then overnight, TMZ's like, oh, wait, no, he's not dead yet. This happens the, at, you know, now and again. The intro to this album, the very first, you know, song that goes, I think it's actually right before this Rough Riders Anthem, is just, to me, is the all-time best walkout music. Mike Tyson used to come out to it. Um, Chuck Liddell, it just—it's a great intro, and and it's really probably the reason I love this entire album is because this came out in '98, and like '98, '99, 2000 are probably my favorite years of my life because I was just—I was in high school when I was playing basketball, and this is just every one of these songs. That's all we would listen to all the time, and uh, yeah, the whole album's great, man. Big yeah, DMX. I, 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 I like—is this the same? Is this the same album with how it's going down? Yes, or how's it going yeah. down? Is, okay. Yes, sir. I I don't I, I got the album mixed up, but yeah, I was I was a big DMX fan until like the mid two thousands. It took him passing away for people to even give a crap. Like people were like, "Oh man, this guy was good." You know, I feel like I heard DMX for ten or fifteen years until he passed away, yeah. and everyone started talking about how great he was. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, pro tip, whenever a famous musician dies, run to your nearest uh, record store and buy an album of them and then benefit off of their death. <laughs> Thank you for that pro tip. That thing okay. quick. It's very uh, dark. Okay. No, John's favorite album of all time. Grab your... Uh, could it be? Grab I'm your cran- interested to hear what song you're going to pick Grab up your this. cranberry juice. It's got to be Shania Twain, right? It is. Not that far off. <laughs> See, John just getting hyped to basketball, listening to some some good old no, this Stevie. This was later Nicks. on in my life. This was not basketball days. Oh man, greatness! F- find a bad, find a bad song on that album. There might be one, but that might uh, that's listened, one of the best. That's why albums. we we did this list. I, I listened to it the other day, and there's only one song I think that wasn't like. That's a how hit I feel about it too. There's only one song I don't like, and that one's fantastic. Um, I never really liked. This was definitely not high school. High school me listening to this. This is me the with the song last 10 that's years. not a hit on it is. Um, I don't want to know. Yeah, I there think. you go. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right, and that's the Stevie Nicks written one. This woman and uh, this one. The nine hole. Why would you? St- why would you go with like this slow song though? This is one of. I was interested. I was interested. What's to your see favorite what one? I don't know. I would. I would rather. I mean, have something upbeat like "Don't Stop Thinking About Tomorrow" or. Hmm. Okay. Okay. <laughs> this one's upbeat to me. Yeah, it's okay. Is, it's just kind of slow. It's kind of elevator music, whatever. I, this is a great example. Again, again, this is a great example. I, I don't know if I would put it number one, but I can listen to this whole album and not turn it off, whereas yeah. there are many albums I can say that about. Where I'm just, There's yeah. usually four or five songs where I'm like, how did this even make the cut? You know? No Hotel California on your list, John? No. On Eagles I'll tell Day? you, the toughest ones to leave off for me were probably Dr. Dre's The Chronic, and then probably Snoop Dogg, Doggy Style, because when those came out, I remember those were like, yeah. I'm gonna listen to this, but I gotta hide this CD, because if my parents find it, I'm gonna be in <laughs> so much trouble. Like, and they were just so damn good, like both of those. Those were, those were right on, on, the, on the cusp there. Um, Dude, Take Care, Take Care. Take Care was in the, I thought take of that too, but. Elite. But, but here's, here's the thing, you know what my favorite Drake song is? Is probably started from the bottom, and they're just on take care. There isn't a song that's on that level for me that like I like as much. So I feel like I would be picking something that's like, and then on the, on the album that that is on is there's, there's enough the hits. Yeah. yeah. 
So, but no, yeah, Drake was certainly in that conversation. Um, it's funny because I, I was talking, I was texting you guys about like the Rolling Stones, you know, they ranked the 500 greatest albums. I was actually surprised MGMT, that Oracular Spectacular was on there. It was barely in the top 500. But anyway, that Rumors album by Fleetwood Mac is, is seventh. And the number one is Marvin Gaye, What's Going On. And Marvin Gaye, What's Going On, that might be my favorite song, but I don't like the whole entire album. More of a concept album. Yeah. I mean, if Marvin Gaye put out so much stuff in such a short amount of time, you know? Well, is it yeah. kind of crazy? I mean, the... So the Beatles, that's how the music industry was Marvin Gaye, back then. And- Marvin Gaye tried out for the Lions. Like, what's going on? The background vocals have, like, Lem Barney on there and uh, Dave Bing. Like, they have, I mean, he yeah. was very sports into that whole scene when, you know, he was in Detroit. So, um, but the other thing is, like, there's so many Beatles songs I like, but there's not one album. And I wasn't going to do some type of... Uh, oh, this greatest hits or that, you know, the ones or whatever. Or, you know, the other thing is like, if it's just any album, nothing for me tops that uh, Forrest Gump soundtrack because there's just so many great songs in there. But I don't okay. think of that as an actual album, you know? There's just there so many... There's stuff on there. There's, yeah. it's, it's great, but... And I think that is a two-CD one as well uh, when it came out, but that's not an album. Like, nobody sat in a yeah. studio and just made those... Soundtrack. All right, well... Um, for our producer, Kent Garrison, for Father John Mashoda, and for Saad Yusuf, I am Kevin KT Turner, and we will be back next week, uh, well, Sunday night after the game. Uh, obviously, uh, it's uh, Cowboys and Texans' request for the Governor's Cup. So, um, everyone have a, a great night, and we will uh, see you in a great week, and we will talk to you on Sunday on the next episode of About Them Cowboys, and we're hopefully talking about a 50-point win. Goodbye, An all-Texas Super Bowl, his will be done.